It's Flat Out RC time. Welcome back to the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking planes, helis, and drones. My name is Andrew Sill coming to you from the land down under, Melbourne, Australia. You probably wonder why I introduce myself like that in every episode because a little under half of the audience listens to this podcast actually comes from overseas. So just got to put a bit of context to where I'm currently sitting in cold Melbourne. It's pretty cold at the moment. Good episode coming up. Uh, Melissa Law is our special guest. Melissa is the wife of David Law. But you probably aren't aware that Melissa has a long history in aero modelling. So we're going to find out more about that, hear about her involvement with scale flying now. Um, so good chat. Uh, it was really enjoyable to, to sit down and have a chat with Melissa. So Stay tuned for that. But uh, before we get to that, let's uh, have a look at what's been on my mind. Well, what has been happening around the traps and what have I been thinking about? Well, I was supposed to be at an event today, actually. I record these intros and outros on the Sunday before the Wednesday of the launch. Give me time to edit the podcast and... I was supposed to be at the Bansdale Club down in uh, Gippsland Way today, but the Melbourne weather changed all the plans. All flying events were cancelled. The IMAC event was cancelled. don't know whether there was a pattern event that was supposed to be on, but I'm not sure whether it actually happened or not. So I had to stay home and um, just do other stuff. I did actually I did actually pull my trailer out and do some work on some models. I actually went through my shelves and I found a whole bunch of propellers, now, I used to sell 3D Hobby Shop aeroplanes, so I had a, an online store and I was selling bits and pieces. And when I stopped doing that, I've got some leftover stuff. So I was going through my propeller collection, Falcon propellers that I had, 21 by 8s or something. If anyone needs a 21 by 8 Falcon wood propeller, I've got three of them. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Uh, so if you want to buy one, just uh, send me a message on Facebook or Instagram or get onto the Flat Out RC website. But uh Went through everything, found a spare motor. I thought, gee, I could do something with that. Maybe I could transplant it into my 48-inch extra and run on forest and get a bit more grunt. But it was it was good. I um just fixing up a, a pattern plane that I want to sell, just putting a prop on it, a prop, new prop adapter. Um, just got to wait for a new spinner because I had a problem with this, this plane where the spinner and the prop like to fly off and it flew off down at the club and I couldn't be bothered going to find it. So I thought I'll just get a, get a new prop hub and... Uh, had already had a spare prop and uh, get a new spinner, so it'll be fine. So that'll be on the market shortly. So it was good. Looking forward to going for a fly. Uh, I do have – I did – actually, I did buy something during the week, but I won't, I won't announce it yet. I'll wait till it arrives and then I'll uh, tell you what it is. But uh, it's, let's just say it doesn't have wings, so that might give it a bit of a hint. Narrows it down at least. Uh, but uh, not, much, not much else happening. Really looking forward to – I suppose the US summer to see if there's any new models that come out. Often we see models starting to come out around this time. Um, you know, but uh, we see extreme flight planes constantly coming out with uh, different models. There's a new biplane. I can't remember what it is, but it's a biplane, a biplane that Jace Ducey was flying. It was like a 60-inchy kind of uh, thing, not too, too big, that uh, seemed to fly really well. But Jace makes everything look fly really well, or makes everything look like they fly well. I just want to learn how to speak English correctly. 
But besides that, not much else happening in the scene. I'm still tossing up whether I need a new transmitter or not. Erring on the side of probably not. I can probably wait a bit longer. I get like I'm a Spectrum user. I get I get concerned about being the first one in um, with some of the newer technology to to really be the guinea pig. I, I, sometimes I'd like to sit back and just see how it all pans out and then uh, then make the jump. You know, just being a bit conservative. But you know, when it, when push comes to shove. I really don't need anything, and I bet well, some of you that are listening to this podcast right now, if you really think about it, how many model airplanes do we need? How many transmitters do we need? How often should we be updating our transmitters? Because the technology is not, you know, once 2.4 gig came in, it hasn't been moving ahead in really leaps and bounds. It's always, you know, I think the, the biggest thing that I like is voice telemetry. I don't have voice telemetry, but I love voice telemetry, you know, so the, the transmitter could talk to me and tell me what's going on with my model, how long I've been flying for, it's something like that just uh, reduces the, the, the workload in a kind of way of trying to work out how many minutes I've got left or asking somebody else to tell me. So uh, that's what I've been sort of thinking about, just tossing up, what do I do? What am I selling? What kind of models would I like to have? Reality is not much. I really just want to go out and fly. The problem we've got at this time of year down here in Melbourne, uh, winter starts to come. And that just means pretty bad weather, not a great time to be at the field. And I do go skiing a lot because uh, I've got a house in the country near the snow. So I like to get up there. So normally I have about a two two month break from flying and that's sometimes forced because of weather and then other times because I'm not not near my airplanes to go for a fly. Uh, but you never know. But I'll tell you what, nothing beats flying on a winter's day when it's dead calm. Sometimes we have these beautiful sunny days Dead calm conditions, green grass is green, everything's looking its best, and going on a, going for a fly on a day like that, oh, you don't have to worry about your gases overheating because you know, you've got the, the cooler temperature. It's it's awesome. So hopefully we get a few of those. As far as events goes, there's not much happening. It'll start to die down now. We're gearing up for the Shepherd and Mammoth scale flying in September. That's what my sites are set on, and I hope your sites are as well. I actually just updated the the Valley Radio Flyers Club. Uh, website Valley Radio Flyers. I think it's valleyradioflyers.com.au or .org.au. I can't remember. I don't have my computer in front of me at the moment. But um, I did that website for them pro bono, just so that you think I'm not trying to rip people off and make a squilling out of the hobby like some of you think might may think I am. But uh, but uh, I just updated that website so this new this year's entry forms and um, uh, also attached that is. A sheet on the models that you bring, so that we can give the the, the uh, commentator a bit of info about some of the models that you might be bringing. But that is that you know, if you don't know what the Shepherd and Mammoth scale flying is, it's it's probably Australia's biggest and sort of uh, longest running giant scale event, and the best of the best models are there. Everybody brings out their 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 best models, and it's an awesome field, good bunch of people, always a great sight. Spectators are welcome. And it runs, I think, normally the middle of September. I don't have my computer in front of me. But if there's one event that you want to make a beeline to, it's that Shepherd and Mammoth scale flying. Uh, the flyer will be out shortly. I'm, I'm going to design up a flyer for them to help them out. Uh, so that should happen hopefully in the next couple of weeks. But heads up, Shepherd and Mammoth scale flying is coming. Start building. Get your models prepared. It'll be here before we know it. This week's special guest is 
Melissa Law. Now, Melissa's been involved in aero modeling for a long time, pretty much born into it. No, she wasn't born into it, but uh, introduced to it by her father, uh, who's a well-known pattern guy. He's been on the scene for a long time. Uh, but uh, it was good to catch up with with Melissa and really find out more about her history and the hobby and her activities and her current activities. Safe to say that at the moment she's pretty much uh, involved in the scale scene. That's probably as a result of her husband, David, who's uh, one of Australia's best scale modelers. Uh, but uh, she's doing some really wonderful things, um, helping out the scale scene, but also building models. So over to my chat with the one and only Melissa Law. It's my pleasure to have Melissa Law joining me here on the Flat Out RPC podcast. Melissa, thanks for taking the time to have a chat with me. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Well, the Law name is a well-known name here in Australia, especially in the scale modelling scene. But a lot of people probably don't realise that your history in aero modelling goes a long way back. How did you yeah. first start in the hobby? Um, oh, gosh, I think I was about 10, maybe 11. Um, always daddy's little girl and would go down with my father to our local flying field in um, Bulleen at Doncaster Aero Club. And that's where dad learned how to fly. And then I went, you know what, I can do this too. So um, started off actually with control line with uh, um, a model that dad had um, previous to that. And Cliff McIver and I used to fly a bit of control line. And then I went, I've done this. Let's try um, the remote control side of it. And that was it. It's amazing. Ooh. I've had I've had a lot of people on the podcast that came from Doncaster. And if, you, if you're down here in Melbourne, that club really has been a pivotal place, really. There's so many people that cut their teeth at Doncaster or have been through Doncaster at one point in time, which is amazes me because it's basically a football field uh, and that's about it. <laughs> yes, it's the yeah. tiniest place. And, of course, when you mention the name Doncaster, Cliff McIver's name always comes up as well. Which yeah. Yeah, he is going to be on the podcast. I just don't know whether I've got three hours for him to talk. <laughs> but anyway, I spoke to him on the weekend. He's going to come on. Uh, so yeah, the early days of flying control line is an interesting one because my son always thinks that he could do that because he's connected to it. But yeah. uh, was, did it feel like a big step going from control line to radio control, or you thought, oh, that'll be fine? Uh, oh, I just thought if, if everyone else can do it, why can't I? So and then went. Uh, Dad put a remote control um, in my hand and I was flying his old QB40. I think it was purple. And uh, then he got a bit upset with me flying. I think it was the father-daughter. It's almost like trying to teach a kid how to drive a car. So um, Cliff Cliff took over and uh, became solo and the rest is history. That is true. And there's a mm -hmm. the history kept on going. And uh, did you continue through your teenage years and, and that kind of thing or did you do what most other aero modelers do and get involved <laughs> in cars and chase um, the opposite sex and that kind of thing? <laughs> well, chasing the opposite sex, that's where I actually met David, uh, David Law, my now husband. So um, it was kind of a win-win situation. So I'd go down the flying field with, with Dad and see my boyfriend at the same time. Yeah. So it worked out quite okay. But uh so I got my hands first kind of um, involved with Dave and his scale back then. And that was, geez, 30 years ago now. So, um, but uh, after the big breakup of Dave and Mel happened at Doncaster Aero Club. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Um, 
I still fly, but I, I, my dad bought me a uh, 45 size fixed undercarriage Cavalier and I competed in some sportsman aerobatic comps. Yeah, because your dad's a bit of an aerobatics fan, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. He's, um, he's actually recently just built a Tiger Moth, which he built uh, probably around 30 years ago as well. It's um, an old pilot kit and um, hopefully that'll be in the sky soon. It's amazing those um, Tiger Moths. There's a friend of mine that's just got one that's he bought off somebody else but it's been refurbished and I, I think it was a scratch build or it may have been a good kit build, but this thing is phenomenal. I'm trying to get him to take it to the to Shepherd and Mammoth, but I think I think a Tiger Moth is my favourite biplane out of all the biplanes, especially the old historic sort of planes. Yeah. Yeah, well Dad and I Yeah, Dad and I went um uh did some full size flying in Tiger Moth, so I think that's where it all started. Oh no. So mm. okay, so you've gone through those teenage years, you've gone through school. Have you did you did you always was aeromodeling always there or did you have a break at some point in time? I did have a fairly substantial break. Um, I was a full-time student going through high school and also dancing four nights a week and all day Saturdays and teaching as well. So it was either school or friends or at my dancing school. Um, and then after that, I, when I was 17, I started working full-time and um, still worked with my dad to some competitions after that. We hosted the World Champs Aerobatic Competition in Wangaratta, which I helped with, which was pretty cool. Um, but I flew up in my friend's uh, Cessna and then flew home from Wangaratta, so that was even better. Like. <laughs> yeah. 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 You remember <laughs> we that. arrived in a full-size in a full-size plane, so that was a whole heap of fun. He's actually now a full-time pilot with Qantas, so it's um, amazing how the world works. But, no, there was quite a substantial break. Um, and it wasn't until 27 years later that uh, Dave and I rekindled the relationship and I got involved back with Dave in scale flying and started off again back as his caller. Now, having that break and then coming back to it, uh, what was it like? Was it like riding a bike you could get back onto the sticks and you knew, knew what to do or did you have to get up to speed again? No, it was actually, yeah, it was just like, getting back on that saddle and started to pedal it was not not too hard to do at all I was flying very 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 high in the sky so in case anything happened but um but no it's just I, I even put my kids down and they were having a fly on the buddy box with 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 Greg and Dave and um and myself so yeah it was was pretty fun yeah now it's safe to say that aero modeling really is a big part of, of your life now, especially with uh, having Dave in the house. Uh, what <laughs> yeah. is it like living with a scale building master, you know, a guy that's, <laughs> that's competed at the top level of the world champs and succeeded and that kind of thing? Uh, well, I've started um, and I've been actually pretty slack with it, but um, I've started building my own F4H model that um, I bought as a kit and completely stripped back. And um, I'm using a full-size aeroplane at Inville, um in New South Wales. Um, but every time I go and work on it, he's looking over my shoulder saying, that's not right. Yeah. That doesn't look right. You Do just, it again. You should just say, well, I'm just testing. You know, I, I know it's not <laughs> right, but I just enjoy you telling me that I got it wrong again. 
Yeah, but but, but at the same time, whenever I would get stuck with something, it was great having him there to say, oh, look, I would do it this way because of X, Y and Z and then that would make sense. So it's um, as as much as I'm pretty stubborn and, and want to do it my way, Dave gives me the gentle reminder that um, my way is not necessarily the correct <laughs> way. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. In other words, you're just saying you got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, 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 yep. <laughs> well, tell us a bit about that plane. What, what is the plane? What are you building? Um, I'm building a super decathlon. It is quarter scale, um, and um, yeah, it was it was just as a kit, and I've completely stripped it back. At, at the beginning, it was a bit of a rush, um, as we decided that I'd uh, go and give a crack at the next world champs. But um, due to COVID, it's all been completely cancelled and rescheduled now till next year. So. Um, I've had a bit of extra time, so with with measurements and photos and 3D, um, sorry, not 3D, but uh, the uh, drawings. drawings and stuff. So um, I've been able to put a lot more thought into it, and um, yeah, it's pretty hard at times, actually. Uh, I think building to that precise level and trying to really replicate the real thing, it's always going to be yeah. Difficult. What what mode are you putting in that? What size? Um, I've got a four stroke uh, sitting there ready to go. So um, at the moment I have a practice one exactly the same size that Tommy um, Poppers see down at the flying fields that I fly at, um, and that's currently just got a thirty five DLE in it. So and that flies it really really well. But I'm just going to chug it up with a bit a bit of a four stroke to make it sound a bit more realistic. Yeah, that'd be that'd be perfect. I think the yeah. when it comes to that scale competition and flying that plane, do you you have to do aerobatic manoeuvres, don't you, with it? Yes, yes, you do because it's it's, it's an aerobatic training model. So um, yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's good fun to try something different. Doesn't always necessarily work, but um, persistence is the key. I've been told. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think for me the hardest challenge is um, keeping up the momentum to work on a model, and you know it can get hard at times and tedious, yeah. and you just start to lose motivation. And you know, I admire you know everyone that competes in scale because you have to be committed to it, and it's not just you know there's IMAC guys that go and buy an RF, put it together, and they're committed to practicing the flying side of things. But yeah, with scale, you have to do both. You got to Get your, your flying has to be on uh, up to speed and the model as well. Yes, hundred um, percent. You've it's the, the the only comps I've been involved with in in Melbourne um, and Victoria at the moment is the flying only. But this because I haven't got off my lazy backside and finished my model. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot different than getting an F three A model and you know uh, doing some manoeuvres in the air compared to you got a fifty fifty percent of um your 50 percent on your on the, the scale and the, and the look of it and the the likeness to a full size and also the pilot ability it's a big component now, how much um how often are you getting out to the shed to uh to work on the flying <sighs> dave doesn't give me any room Oh, see, see, it's all his fault. If you don't do well, blame him. And you know what? We're Facebook friends, and I, I'm amazed how busy a person you are. 
I don't know how you fit everything in in your life. Oh, yes, between horses, um, riding motorbikes, working full-time, having three step kids, two biological kids. Um, I used to do Taekwondo a couple of nights a week. Yeah, it's just, um, yeah. Something That's has probably to, why I haven't finished it. <laughs> something has to give, doesn't it? Something yeah. has to give. I'm in a similar kind of boat. There's a lot of things I have to do and uh, and sometimes building is the last thing on my mind. Actually, do you know what though? I'm, there must be something in the water because I'm, I made a decision that I'm going to – I've got a spare 30cc aerobatic plane sitting in a, in a box, an ARF, and I've, I, I want a bigger electric plane. And so yep. I've actually splashed out and bought all the components to make this plane up. I'm going to sell another plane to make room for the new plane, which means I'm going to have to build it, well, assemble it. But that could take me a year at my rate. It took me five years to get my – I had this 100cc plane, and I'm not joking, it took me five years to get it flying. Um, well, I'm hopefully not going to be that bad, Andrew. But No. Um... Well, if you're going to go to the world champs, you, you need to get that plane sorted. Yeah, yeah. I um, mean, it's uh, we, we we are due. It's all in undercoat. I've done all the detailing. Um, it's just a matter of now finding some good weather to to do the the, the base and do the stars and the outlines. I don't know how you. I I've always loved decathlons. Back in the in the eighties, when the airborne magazines would come out, I'd see these decathlons, and I I just think they're the greatest. The, the, decathlons and super chipmunks were my thing, and I'd look at this decathlon, yeah. and all I could say to myself is, and this back of the days pre ARF, I'd, I'd think to myself, I'd never be able to cover that plane. I just <laughs> do not know. But uh, what are you finishing the plane off? And is it going to be fiberglass? Or is it going to be, you know, um, film? What what is your plan with that? I've had uh, Solitex, so and then I've tissue and and then I've doped it, and then I've sprayed it with an undercoat. So it's all sitting there in primer at the moment. Um, and now it's just a matter of measuring out um, the stars and so forth, and getting the colours right. That's probably the hardest thing as well. Um, I've I've got some colour swatches from the full size in um, New South Wales, and some really good photos. The guys up there have been so helpful. With sending me photos, I actually haven't seen the full size model yet because, uh, sorry, full size aeroplane due to COVID. But um, I'm dying to get up there just to actually be able to touch the full size and go, yep, that's what mine kind of looks like. However, it's not as detailed as what the F4C boys and girls have to do. I just should say boys because there's no girls. But um, well, you are leading yeah. the way. Oh, I'll give it a go. <laughs> What's the um? What scheme? What colours are you choosing? Are you putting on plane? Um, the Australian colours, red, white, and blue. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. It's um, got the blue and red stars on top and um, a white fuselage and so forth. So, yeah. That's going to be great. That's going to look good. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I've actually, uh, just for a bit of fun, um, Patsy up in Queensland oh, yes. has, has done a quarter-scale replica of me for the pilot. I saw so. that. I had Patsy <laughs> on, who was oh, she's a blast. Um, I had them on uh, a few few episodes ago, and yeah. um, I saw on her Facebook page that she 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 made up a, a pilot figurine of yourself, and gee, it looks great. I went, I kept on looking it's at hilarious. it, going, it's Melissa. It's like <laughs> that's her. <laughs> I can see yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, you have to have a bit of fun, you know. It's um, what do you do? We're here for a, a short time. So let's let's make it the best of what we can and have have fun with it. Yes, well, as I mentioned to off air just before I started, that yeah. there is um yeah. 
they're spruiking at the, our flying club that we're members of that I'm planning on taking over the club and the, selling Ooh. selling the field. And I'm like, why well, do I want to do that? I just want to go fly model airplanes. It's bad. <laughs> I've got better things to do with my life than worry about that kind of stuff. I'll just go and have some yeah. fun. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. But do you, do you still find it fun when you turn up to the field? I do. It's um it's sometimes it's a bit of a balancing act when um, the kids come with me down the flying field because unfortunately they when are we going, Mum? It's the time to go yet. So I don't really get to put my feet up and and have a bit of fun. But um, this weekend, hopefully Sunday is going to be a good flying day, and um, yeah, just get down there and and relax. And that's what it's about, you know, just chill out, have fun, um, have a laugh when the pressure's on, the pressure's on for comps and stuff. But while we're all down there, it's just, enjoy just it. have fun. Yeah, enjoy it for what it is. I always find because my, my flying sessions are sort of few and far between because of everything else that I've got going on. And, and But there's nothing like going to have a good day at the field. It lasts, that that rush lasts for days and days after it. And yeah. Just, you know, it was like I feel free. Oh, that was really good. I got a few. Like I went, I went out for a fly on Saturday. And it wasn't great conditions, and I only took some small electrics and stuff like that. But yeah. I still feel as if I, you know, accomplished something, and I feel like, okay, I've got my fix. I don't need to go back for a couple of weeks. That was that was all right. Do you, do you ever get on simulator and practice your flying, or do you just leave it for for the field? Yeah, no. Yep, yep. Dave, make sure I've got the the laptop on and the remote control in my hand, and it's that's actually fun when you start doing the the competitive side of it, but. Um, it always ends up in his hand for some reason. I don't know. He's a very difficult person, sounds like. No, not difficult, just driven. He he is. He is a very yeah. different man. But I you know I've got great respect for Dave. Like I know that there are certain people in the world, if they talk to me, I'm just gonna go, yep, they're right. And and Dave's one of those because he's done it. He's been he's he's worked in the hobby at a level that most of us will never ever achieve, really. You know, yeah. crawling through the fuselage of airplanes to make measurements and stuff like that. I can't see myself doing. Not that I'd fit nowadays, but <laughs> but he's you know done it. And so I'll often say, "Go and ask Dave," because he'll probably know the answer because you know he's done it. And um, and yeah, he's a very focused, uh, a focused individual. Like, I, I told mm. him once that I had him. He was on the second episode of this podcast, and it's still <laughs> one of the highest listened to podcasts. <laughs> it's amazing. I think he, uh, yeah, at, at the Christmas special that I did, I had the That's highest. Right. And and David Law, he, he took he took the cake. I tell you what. That's probably why I've listened to it a hundred times. That's the only reason why. Is it? It's <laughs> no. When Gosh. you're feeling lonely, I'll just play the flat out RC podcast. Well, sometimes we're like ships in the night. Okay, I start. Um, I get up at five o'clock in the morning to go to work, and sometimes I'm not at home until five o'clock at night, and cook dinner, pick up kids or drop kids at, at places. And then by 8, 30, 9 o'clock, I'm ready for bed and he's out in the shed building. So I like ships that pass in the night. You just, yep, good night, good morning. Mm, yeah. it. It's a bit like that though. I think, you know, I think we have similar vintage and my life at the moment is family, kids, work, repeat. Um, you know, tomorrow is what? Table tennis tomorrow. I'm going to play table tennis with my son. Friday night, I think there's something else on. Weekend, not sure what's going to happen on the weekend. I know what's going to happen on the weekend, trying to get them off computers. That will happen. Mm -hmm. um, actually, as a mum taking kids to the field, what is your suggestion? Don't take them or because uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get my son to come with me and he's like, nah, it's boring. Um, uh, look, they're either into it or they're not. So 
but um, I support them 100% whatever they want to do. So it's a bit of swings and roundabouts in our family. Um, if if you, you want something and you're going to be driven to do it, um, you need the full support of everyone around you. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And then they get dragged along because I'm the designated driver anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, 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 I've always said I've got a long-term vision. I, I, I can see the day when my kids, like we've got, we've got a holiday house up in the country, and the kids complain about going there, which I just, if, if any of us had that kind of place, you'd love it up there. It's up near Mount Buller. You could take the horses, go for a ride up to Craig's Hut and whatever. It's a beautiful oh. area. Yeah, my kids are like, do we have to? We always go there. And I'm like, well, there's heaps to do there if you want, but you just don't want to. But, mm-hmm. uh, and I think, but I look forward, and I think 10 years' time, I always say to people, my friends, 10 years' time, this all looks different. Now, let's, yep. let's fast forward in 10 years' time. Okay. When the kids are all grown up and whatever, yep. do you think you're going to be spending more time out in the shed building stuff and out at the flying field or not? Well, I've said to Dave, we'll downsize the house, get more land for the horses and build a bigger shed. <laughs> okay, you, you've, you've thought this out and you've got it all planned. But I like that idea. <laughs> My idea is similar though and it does hinge on me winning the lotto because I'm moving to the country. I'm going to have a, an asphalt runway because I don't want to cut the grass. But- I'm going to have this massive hangar, which is also going to be my workshop, with this big door mm. that I open up, and I'm going to I'm going to invite my friends because I'm going to have a little house for them to stay. I'm winning eighty million, by the way, so that's why I can do this. <laughs> so I've got this great plan. We we drive along, my wife and I, in the country, and I go, "That's a good paddock." She's gone, "No, we're not buying a house with just a flat ground and a paddock for you." I said, "Why not?" I want <laughs> mountains. I said. No good for runways. <laughs> you need, you need. You can have. It can be. There can be a hill, but there has to be a flat patch for me for my runway. So yes, actually, I'm going to have a guy on the podcast, a friend of mine, who actually has his own runway on his farm, <laughs> to get the reality of it. Because I know what the reality is, which is he rarely uses it and he gets bored if he's by himself. But I'm like, oh, that must be him though. That's not. That's, it, I, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> now the um, world champs. You've been to a few yes. world champs now in support of the team, the Australian team. Yeah, yep. and I, I want to get your opinion on what that's been like because we all, you know, I've had a, you know Greg Lepp and, and Dave, of course, on, and they've given me their sort of impression of it. But from from where you sit, what has that experience been like? Because I think the last one you went to was Switzerland, which looks looked awesome, oh, like amazing postcard views everywhere you looked. But what was it yeah. like for you? Um, well, the first one I went to was in two thousand eighteen, uh, and that was to Romania. And that was actually my first European holiday. I'd never been, I think the quite the furthest I've been was the States, but um, I went as Dave's caller. And being a caller at a World Champs, you don't breathe while you're calling the manoeuvres. So I know exactly how the pilot feels. Um, that last flight of the very last day that you actually are calling for the pilot it's just this most overwhelming, not relief, but a, 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 such a brilliant achievement um, to see what the pilots have gone through to get there. And then within three flights over 10 days and a bucket load of money to transport models and pay for airfares that actually comes out of our pockets um, is um it's it's really fulfilling 
Um, and then in 2000, sorry, 2000, uh, 2018, 19, 19, 19, oh gosh, it was so long ago. Yeah, I was the, um, the team captain, the team manager for both um, F4C and we had a F4H team, which uh, a full F4H team. Previous to that, we just had Anthony Ogle um, in the F4H team representing Australia, but um, it was it was it was good. Like it just an an amazing place, amazing people, um, the people in Switzerland, and just the country. It's just like you, you've got mountains on one side. And you've got it's it's hard to explain. Just great, just great. Oh, I always say that it, you could be the worst <laughs> photographer at that event and still have <laughs> the best photos because the landscape just gave you everything. And and yeah. that that the, the big mountains like it's rare that you can go to a flying field and the backdrop, even when the planes are sort of pretty high up, the backdrop is yeah. still a mountainous range. You yeah, know, that is just. Phenomenal. And as team captain, what, what, what does a team captain have to do at a world champ? Um, you've got to um, get all the paperwork done and it's got to be um, 100% correct even before you get there. So there's a lot of paperwork that's got to be filled in by the pilots to make sure all that's done. They've got to have all their flight manoeuvres already programmed and sent through. Um, it's dealings with uh, the MAAA to, for funding um it's dealings with local clubs to help assist um in even getting the the transport of the models across i mean um it's it's a bit unfortunate that you see um and and you hear it's it's a bit like your rumor about you taking over the pain darks club you know i'm seriously um, considering it melissa <laughs> the more i think about it, i think that could be a good idea and we'll change the name of the club to probably my name yeah, well, good, do it. Um, but um, there's, I think, there's this preconceived idea that when um, a scale team go to Europe to fly to world championships, that it's all beautiful fun and um, we get all this money. And it's it's just not the amount of work that goes into trying to fund even packaging up. But we had six models. That went across, and that cost nearly sixteen to seventeen thousand dollars, and that came out of our pockets. So um, the holiday afterwards is that. Well, the last time it was my honeymoon, so it was a, it was, a, it was pretty cool going to Italy for your honeymoon. But I'll tell um, you what, I'd like to go on my honeymoon with my aeroplanes. Yeah, <laughs> no, we sent the aeroplanes home, oh. and then we went on the honeymoon. <laughs> but um, it's just. And until you're actually in it and organising it and being a part of the tears and the anger and the happiness and the thrill of being able to walk behind your flag with all the other countries in the world and say, yep, that's my flag, I'm representing our country, this is the best thing that I've ever done. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's just a, it's a real shame that sometimes people think that we get thrown all this money, but it, it's it just happen. not. It's, no, it, not at all. There's a there's a problem in this hobby that there's. I always say there's a lot of people sitting from afar speculating what's happening, but they don't actually know. And and you know people say, oh, we pay our MAAA fees, and all it does is go to people that want to compete overseas. No, their budget no. to support people that want to compete overseas is minuscule. 
Absolutely yes. minuscule. If you want to pick on the MAAA, the last thing you should be picking the, uh, picking on is the expense. Now you're bearing the brunt. The ninety nine percent of the, the the you know the, the the financial commitment is made by the competitors because there's no way that the that the, that the MAAA or anybody's really going to be able to fully fund your activity. So yes, you mm. make that choice, but. I think the other aspect of it, though, is I don't have an issue in some of my MAAA money going towards those that want to compete at that level. We A small contribution that might be made to a team, whether it be a patent team or whatever, is really not going to make or break you know, whether they're going to get there or not. It just, it just makes it a bit easier. And, 100%, 100%. And I think yeah. that what it does, though, is that if we're not encouraging people to work at, at that level and operate at that level, we don't have mentors in our flying community that our general standard becomes pretty low. And yep. people can say, well, what's wrong with that? And my answer to that is, well, if you keep it at that level, then the hobby will never, ever progress and you won't attract new members. You won't attract new yep. participants. It's the nice aeroplanes like seeing Dave's pits fly. Everyone will stop and want to look at it. No. Yep. Um, yep. Seeing that jet fly, oh, let's have a look at that. Or that 3D heli flight, let's stop and look at that. And that gets people sparks the imagination. Now, if you don't have a great, great patent team or an iMac team or a scale team or a glider team, then there's no mentors, there's no motivation, there's nothing to aspire to. And as yep. we know, if you can't aspire to anything, then your standard's not going to be that great and it's going to be a pretty boring place. So. Yeah, I, yep. I, I think and, that an investment yeah. in that kind of thing makes a lot, a lot of sense from many fronts. And look, and and they're local. Um, you know, it's I don't know how many people come down on a on a Sunday. And, oh, Dave, can you just ask me about this? And and he's more than happy to oblige. But um, I can sometimes think I can see his head ticking. I just want to fly my own aeroplane. Yeah, no, no, I can see <laughs> I, that I, head ticking. And, and, <laughs> and I think I love helping people. But sometimes I just want some time to myself. <laughs> That's true. And I think if Dave's been in the system for a long time. Yeah. Right? And, and you end up getting asked the same question about 100 times. Mm-hmm. And by about the, the 34th time, you're sitting there going, oh, here we go again. They're going to ask me about servos. I'm really not <laughs> in the mood of having a chat about servos. Yeah. It's a bit like I used to, I used to race cars. And I used to know, I would say with model aeroplanes, when, when people start talking about oil that you use in your gas aeroplane, you know that they're running out of stuff to ask questions about because mm-hmm. now you're scraping the barrel. Like now now we're going to be talking about the oil. Next thing we're talking about is what, spark plugs? But, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, like, I, I've been around long enough and, and I start to get I – don't, I don't enjoy having chats to people about servos, like in-depth chats yeah. about servos. Yeah, yeah I don't. but um, look, it's you're one hundred percent correct. If it if it wasn't for the um, uh, the the F four F three A guys that have gone overseas, um, if it hasn't been for the scale guys in New South Wales that have gone to Top Gun, um, I'm not sure if any Victorians have gone to um, to, to Top Gun, but they just yeah, there's just so much unplugged knowledge out there. That people can tap into. They've just sometimes take a bit of eat a bit of humble pie and ask that question. And you you, you are going to go so much further. There's there's questions that I ask Dave, and I think, oh god, I'm a little such an idiot um, asking him this. And he said, like, well, I'm actually glad you asked me because I know it's going to be done right. And it was one question. Sometimes I, I you know what I think that when 
when someone lo- starts losing the patience for answering silly questions, it does cross the line when, okay, like at this, I, I work in the marketing field and I know how to use design programs and blah, 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 and I've got friends that I'll help out and they'll try to do stuff themselves and then come to me and then I've got to fix it. And I say to them, you're better off coming to me earlier. I'm happy to help you, but mm. let's get it right from the start rather than you mucking it up, wasting your own time for three hours when I'll fix it in two. All right, so mm-hmm. just ring me up. I'll teach you what to do, tell you what to do, whatever, and then you'll be better off and then you'll get it right from the start. So I like, yeah. you know, I think that sometimes is a good attitude to have with, with some people. You know, it does help. You know? Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. especially w- living under the same house and fighting for space to build your models, that <laughs> I think you'd I appreciate have- just hurry up, get it done right and move on. Mm-hmm. I have a rollable table in the middle of the, the room that just when he's building something, he's got like three or four things on the go. At the moment, it'll just get rolled to the side, and then I'll go back in the shed, and it rolls back in the middle. <laughs> and then, he, and then he's like, he's, he's building a P forty seven at the moment, and that's being scratch built, and now he's doing a, another type of aerobatic thingy, majiggy that's being scratch built. Oh yes, I saw that. Yeah, so um, yeah, just I've got to blow off the cobwebs. I think and mark my territory back. Yeah, or just get on the horse and go for a ride. No, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that's a different argument that I have with him. More time with the horses than you do with me, but that's just their life, I well, guess. You say sometimes it blurs a line. Sometimes you're the horse, <laughs> he's a horse. I don't know. It's, what's going on? The, so, so when do you think this uh, this uh, model that you're building is going to be finished? Ah, uh, well, um, oh. When isn't a scale model ever finished? Well, ready for competition. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm hoping maybe by October I would have had a, I think, by the October scale comp. And now you're going to hold me to it, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> well, well you put, yeah, you've put it out there in the world, so now you have to live up to it. We're relying um, on you. Come on. Yes. I want to see it. I told you I love decathlons. I've always loved decathlons. Yeah. How are you going to put the struts on? Is it going to be easy to set up at the field? Because some of them can be a little bit tricky, but are you keeping that in mind that it breaks down nice and easily? Um, well, what I've done is I've made a, a removable stab more for the fact is that when we have to uh, send it overseas, you can get a smaller um, packing area. So of that's the whole stab, rear stab comes off. Um, but the size of the model... Dave has got it so it can fit perfectly without having to take the wings off in the trailer. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep, so we've got to plug the battery in, off I go. That's cheating. (laughs) Not when you get to a world champs. I've seen what Dave has to do and how long it takes him to re-rig. I'll tell you what. uh, yeah, I'd be thinking if I, if I was building a scale (laughs) model for world champs, I'd be thinking of something that could pack down easily. Yep. Monoplane, of course, that was just Mm -hmm. you know easy to put together. But his thing is with all the rigging and everything. (laughs) That's how come. Look, you you got to appreciate what these guys are doing. Like it's just it's just phenomenal level that they're working at, and it's it's almost like you said earlier. It's like these planes had never finished. There's always Greg Lepp did what he pulled the covering off his plane, didn't he, to to do something? I don't know. He's doing rebuilding it. He's rebuilt the wings um, from oh, and and a lot of the other part, and he's repainted it 
somehow he's got his little mitts on um, a colour swatch of the real full size. And I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble here, but he's repainted it as well. And it looks great. Looks really, really good. And then you've got the masters of the 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 gentleman the gentleman's aerial carriage um, club, and you've got the Noel Finlays of the world as well. That he's uh, I've I've seen his dragon and that he's currently building, and it is just phenomenal. The level of craftsmanship is just out of this world. You have to be patient. I, I just don't think I'm patient enough to work. <laughs> I've never been good at perfecting anything really because yeah. my mind always moves on to something else. So, you know, I describe myself as being average at a lot of things, but there's just more things I want to keep on trying in life. And so I never spend enough time to really master it. I'll be okay, but I'll never be great. But that mm. that commitment and that time commitment, that patience, and that motivation to, you know, like scale interior. I, I'm good at the big bits, putting servos in the wings. <laughs> yep. I'm really good. I'm happy I could do it with my eyes closed and I enjoy that bit. But, you know, when you get to the end of the building, now I've got to do all the detail in the cockpit. It's like, mm. oh, and there's not a lot of space. <laughs> I like space and my fingers don't work that well in tight spaces. But <laughs> it is just, it's just phenomenal. Now, with the scale yeah. comps that you're competing in, in locally now, yes. tell us a bit about those and, and what's the scene currently looking like? Um, when I first got back into a relationship with Dave, it was – it, there wasn't a huge amount of people flying, um, but we had a comp, I mean, and last year just smashed it out of the ballpark for everyone, but um, we had our first comp back in February and we had such a great turnout. We had some guys come down um, from Albury and even just to get along to the flying only, as long as it was um, an ARF based on a scale model, get down there um, and just come down and, and, and get a feel for it. And we had some great F4H models and some F4C models. And it was it was a really good spread of people um, and a really good spread of models. And it was it was great. And we were busy. We were flat out. I was um, either calling for Dave or flying myself, running back, getting um, the flight scores, whacking him in the computer. Um, and yeah, just it was it was busy. The day went so fast. Yeah, I think it's sometimes we need to just. I think with some levels of competition, people have been too scared to participate because I think oh, I'll never be able to do it. And when there's like like the event you talked about, where you know bring your ARF and just have a go, just to experience yeah. it. Yeah. Um, the IMAC guys, Michael Andrusic, did that at a Packenham at the Packenham Club, our club, where they had it ran a come try day and people. It, it wasn't a competition in, in, in a sense. It was just come and try it and see what you think. Now, yep. out of that spawned, I'm not joking, probably 10 new competitors. It totally and transformed the fabulous. whole scene. And, and again, it was this just come and try it and see what you like. We're not going to be marking people you know, on it or whatever, but exposing people to it. Because you, you see the likes of Tim DeHaan, who I've had on the podcast. And Tim's, you know, he still, every time I talk to him, he says that he's really – only new to it, but he's been going for eight and nine years. And mm. you know, he started with an ARF that he slightly modified, and then he built the 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 the, the um the kit build, I think the Urcoop, and he yep. went to the next level, and he's still progressing. And he started competing in scale, and so he's obviously seen what other people have been able to achieve, 
And he's really enjoying that challenge to try to do that. And it literally started from an ARF. And try, yeah, you know, yeah, and and I think things once you can get people into the system, then it, you know the only way is up. And how, how many competitions a year are you planning to run? Because you're really running it down here in Victoria, aren't you? Yeah, oh yeah, with the um, Victorian Flying Scale Association. Um, well, um, there is a comp in a couple of weeks, um, actually Sunday week, but that's one I I can't do, can't attend because I'm away with my son. But um, we're looking. Uh, we've got a weekend comp coming up in the Vic Scale um, Saturday Sunday comp at Shepparton, um, which is a, another great um, comp to fly at. We'll have Queen, and that's on the Queen's birthday weekend. And then September, we've got the the big um, mammoth flying. I think we've got about four or five comps this year: um, Ballarat, Bendigo, all all over Victoria. So we're we're trying to really spread it out. To get as much interest as possible from um, people that can't necessarily get to Melbourne for a competition, so we're going to them. Mm, that's a good idea. Mm. Now, one of the things I experienced recently when I went to a jet event to maiden my jet is that I'm so glad I did because all the expertise w- were there. They were, you know, if I needed a helping hand or needed some advice, it was all yep. there. Is it the same kind of thing at a scale event? Yeah, hundred percent. You've got. Um, New entry um, guys just coming down to have a fly and 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 give it a bit of a go, but you've you, you've got a full world champs team at your fingertips. Why wouldn't you tap into it? It's it's as as much as um, put some testosterone to the side, boys, <laughs> um, and just ask and get in there. And it's so much information that um, is is right here and it's free, and and it, you you probably won't be able to get that anywhere else. Um, I'm, and I'm, I don't want to disrespect any other flyer, but um, these like the 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 Noel Whiteheads of the world. Um, he he's just got the, he's been to so, he's been to thirteen or fourteen world championships. Dave's been to nine or ten. Noel Finlay's been to four at least now. Greg Lepp's been to a couple and flown in one. Um, I guess I was pretty lucky coming in as a team manager to a very successful Australian team um, that just happened to win the gold medal for teams by three points. So, and that was one point per flyer in the end of it. And then that's how close it was. But they were a close-knit team. They knew what they wanted. Um, and they have all this information's there, mm. and, it, and it's and it, and it's here in Victoria. It's here in Melbourne. Yeah. It's easy. That's right. Yeah, like, you know, if you go to any key major event, and you'll see one of the guys there. And you turn up to yeah. the, the, the Scale Mammoth event at Shepparton, and they'll be there. Um, you know, but as you said, there's plenty of events also that travel around a bit that you know expose you know give people access to these people, and um. You know, I always say if I'm gonna if I want to get advice about something, I'm gonna go to the top because mm. I want the best advice and and okay, there's a lot of people who got some good advice, but if you want a safe bet, go to someone that's worked at an elite level. So I'm you know my passion has always been aerobatics and uh, you know freestyle aerobatics, even though I'm not good at it, but I really that's my thing. That's something that I gravitate towards, and and so I you know would consult people that have 
can fly really, really well. And you know, mm. that, that, especially those that have competed because competition f- by the sheer nature of it forces you to excel at everything, building a plane, even in aerobatics, you know, the guys are trying to build reliable planes that perform well. So yep. they, uh, you know, it was like I was saying to my son yesterday, we, he's got into table tennis and, and I like playing table tennis. And and I said to him, Charlie, you're trying to, you're trying to in, work out how to do it. But guess what? It's already been worked out. You just need to research that on, you know, and speak to people that know how to play, get on the internet, watch YouTube tutorials or whatever. Don't try to work it out yourself because <laughs> it's been done before. And it's the same with, with model aeroplanes that um, there are plenty of people out there, especially, you know, here in Australia even, that can give us that advice and give us that leg up. And not, you know, but some people like to tinker themselves. I mean, good luck to them. But then you're not going to win a world champ. And there'll be some point in time where you'll get things wrong. And uh, yeah. and I'm sure, you know, the likes of Dave and whatever have made, made mistakes. That's why they keep on working on their models to keep on improving them. Yep, yep. And uh, look, I, I couldn't have a better mentor um, and that sometimes that kick in the bum that when you think, oh, just, I can't, I can't tonight, I just, I'm tired, I can't. Mel, get out there, you're so close, just get it finished. But, um, yeah, and and it's just, it's just a shame that there is um, a, a whole lot of, there's a whole different world to error modeling that that isn't nice unfortunately and it's um people just need to take a have some humble pie well that's enjoy it what i'm (laughs) doing though mel is i am building a bubble around myself because i'm taking over the field um and i'm going to put a big wall and i'm only going to let those people in that i like i will let you in As long as you're nice to me, but you're right. But you know what? My my the way I view that is though that you go to any anywhere where there's a group of people that have a similar interest. You know, I was involved in car racing. You should have seen the kerfuffle that would go on behind the scenes around you know categories and things like that. And it Mm. it was always one or two. It was never everybody. It was one or two that would overthink everything and and want to be heard. And I, I think a lot of it is. Now we're getting to psychology, and I'm an amateur psychologist. But <laughs> there's a lot of people with a lot of insecurities, and their insecurities present in different ways. And we see that in flying clubs. You must listen to me. I know what I'm talking about, and if you disagree with me, then I'm going to go for you. So um, that's why when I take over the club and I become a dictator, it's going to become a dictatorship. Well, it's going to be my club. I'm not going to have these issues. <laughs> But yeah, I've seen it in multiple. The local footy club has problems. Like you just kick a footy around. And- oh, look! You, you, you're always going to have politics, no matter where you go. Um, I, I, I see politics um, when I was in Taekwondo, and um, I was, I, I, my son and I got to um, be Australian champions as in our in our bout level, um, and even the politics behind. Like I was a blue blue or yellow belt at that time and um, it's just, it's, yeah, anyway, that's a whole new story. That's a whole new conversation. <laughs> we should do what I'm about to do, take over Taekwondo and then it, you won't have any problems. It's my way or the highway. <laughs> but uh, No, 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 I'll just have my horse and my paddock out the back and um, I'm really happy with that one. I'll just, you know, sit back and... And watch people make some silly sometimes, moves. <laughs> sometimes I like that when I go up to my holiday house 
and I go flying up on this little ridge just up the road. And yeah. It's just me. And sometimes it's so quiet and still. Mm-hmm. And I'll be flying, say, an electric model and thinking, gee, it's really quiet. I hope I'm not annoying the neighbours. But <laughs> I sit there and I think, it's just quiet and me flying a plane. This oh, is really, I, I, really I, nice. I, Tell you what I did do as a, as a kid, oh, you've just sparked a huge memory. I was up flying in New South Wales and flying some gliders with some friends of ours and um, Ita Buttrose was the neighbour and we were busting her cows oh, with no. our gliders. Oh, yeah. No. And, um, yeah, we hit one of the cows in its derriere and we got in so much trouble and the glider was just ridden off the, and the cow took off. <laughs> Okay, wait a second. So did Ida come out and have a go at you? Yes. Stop harassing my cows. That's great. That was See, a whole lot of- memories. See? You need, yeah. to, you need to do stupid things at some point in time. Absolutely. Preferably Look. near Ida Buttrose's farm. But the I get actually a few weeks ago I was down at, um, down at our club and there's, of course, you know a few paddocks around with, with cattle in them. And um, one of the young guys there, Harrison, he's been on the podcast, he his plane went off the air. Something happened. It just, it just. I think the, the batteries went flat or something, and he lo- lost control. And he's it's coming in, and he he managed to bring it in. He didn't totally crash it. He managed to sort of glide it down, but he was heading straight for a herd of cattle. And I'm sitting there just like puckering up, thinking, "Oh, he's gonna hit the cow! He's gonna hit the cow!" <laughs> anyway, he just missed the cows, and of course, you know, the the plane's sitting on the ground, all the cows are looking at it, and sniffing it, or whatever. But I can't believe that's a great claim to fame. Yeah, I hit Otter Butters' yep. cow in the butt with a glider. Yep, I love. I used to like when I was a kid. There was I, I've spoken about this in the podcast oh, many, many moons ago with Mike O'Reilly. That there was an an ad for a Mitsubishi Magna um, car, I think it was, and uh, this glider was in the countryside, radio control glider, and it ends up landing in the back of the um, back of the car. And Mike actually O'Reilly was involved with that shoot. He they build the models and stuff like that. And I just fell in love with that vision of the glider in the countryside. And for many years after that, every time I would be driving with my family or something in the country, I'd be thinking, imagine if it, what it would like to fly a glider in that paddock. And even to this day, I still do that because I, I don't I don't mind gliders, but I look at at fields and think, how good would it be to fly a glider? Nothing else, just the glider. And mm. um, now when when I go to my holiday house, I, I do like flying gliders there and I've got some really monster thermals but I get a bit scared because the thing keeps on going up and up and up and I'm like okay <laughs> that's enough now <laughs> but um but sitting in a valley flying the glider I'm thinking oh there's certain places where I think just should be glider territory you know yep I'd have there's a place down the camper down that does that oh on the camper down on the along the the, the lake yeah like slope soaring yep yep good fun well lots of lots of memories I've, I think, I've, I've, like, I like um, slopes. I've got a slope saw, and I, uh, you know, if you go to the Flat Out Arsa YouTube channel, Melissa, you'll see a video of me flying down at Thirteenth Beach. Um, but the uh, camper down looks great. Can't say I saw that one. <laughs> well, you need to subscribe to the Flat Out RC YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and type in Flat Out RC, and whilst you're there, <laughs> press subscribe. Subscribe. Uh, and. Uh- Okay. And like those videos as well. It's all for a good cause. Not that I make any money sure. out of it, but it doesn't matter. But um, Camper Down, yeah, I've seen lots of videos and photos of it. And I think uh, slope soaring to me is a very social thing. I actually 
when I actually this video that I was flying up and down the beach and I actually put a GoPro on a hat and I, you know, filmed it. It was a bit of a test. And anyway, it worked. But I got bored. After about 25 minutes, I'm thinking, there's no one here to talk to and I'm just by myself. <laughs> and then this guy turned up to the to the, to the site and he had a glider like a flying wing. And I thought, and I was walking back to the car. And I thought, oh, well, if he's going to be out here, I might as well. And I was like that little kid going, g'day, mate, how you going? Do you want to play with me? And he was like not <laughs> interested. you my friend? Yeah, yeah. He was not interested. Now, what I worked out is he was testing the lift because he had a hang glider on top of his car. And so he uses the model to see what the lift was like and so I thought he doesn't want to be my friend, so I'm going home. And I thought, oh, if I I'm had someone else, model, I'm going yeah, home. that's and it was like that. Go and grab my phone, put it under my arm, and go back to the car. And here I go. <laughs> Thanks for not being my friend. What? I just want to have a chat. <laughs> I tried, but um, yeah, I, I, I love the idea of slope soaring, but even better if there's someone else to just have a bit of banter whilst you're because you're up there for you could stay there for hours, just up and down, up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So you you don't mind a bit of gliding. Um, I've only ever done it once. <laughs> I stood on my dad's glider when I was a kid and that was the end of it. I got in so much trouble. <laughs> How is your dad going? He's good. Is he still he's, he's, he's still flying, is he? Yeah, yeah. He um he's 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 yeah, he's he's Rob Clark. He still annoys people. Well, um, when I met your dad, Rob, <laughs> I was at Pinaroo at a flying event, and him, oh god, because he, he was living in Mildura at the time, wasn't he? Is he still in Mildura? Or? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. And he and he was with Glen Orchard, and they came across, and the banter between the two of them, it was oh, just him, hilarious. Him, him and Glenno. Oh my oh. god. Yeah. It went on and on and on, but anyway, it was good fun. We had a good time. It was actually, a really, yeah. really good event. We had, we had a great time yeah. actually at it. Yeah. But um, it, but he was he was selling pattern models as well, wasn't he? He was. He was. Um, he was importing a lot of models from um through RC models into Australia from Taiwan, and then just got so expensive um to bring him in, and he he just wanted to get out and enjoy flying, so he, he packed it all in and. Um, still has a couple of um, electric F4, uh, sorry, F3As. And um, I'm glad to see he's got a scale model back in the air, oh, if he can get the engine going, but uh, hopefully he didn't hear me say that. But anyway. Did um, when you rekindled the flame with uh, David, did um, what did your dad say? Not again. Oh, it was, no, it was like the sun. It was like the sun he never had. Like it was, it was. Both, it's going to sound funny, both Dad and Dave um, are builders. So they've always kept in contact with each other and I kind of always knew what was going on with Dave and his kids and marriages and marriage breakups and, and um, yeah, so the Dave was always in contact, not a lot, but, yeah, so he was the son that Dad never had. Well, see, it's all worked out in the end. That's it. Nothing's ever perfect and nothing ever will be, but we're making good, a good go of it. That's the main thing. Don't tell a scale competitor that because no one will be perfect. <laughs> it will take <laughs> By the time no. I die in 40 years' time, this model will be perfect. I reckon Dave's, um, uh, well, when he does go to heaven, if he makes it that far, he will have a separate coffin for his pits. No. Oh, that pits is, yeah, it's a good plane. Yeah, or I, put it put in the museum. The problem is I've got so many photos of that plane. I just keep on. You go. Oh, I better take another photo. 
I better say, okay, I've got enough photos of it now. I'm, I'm, I'm just <laughs> trying to control myself because I have that many. If I need to see a photo of it, I've got a photo because it's Shepard and I'll see it flying up. Bang, 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 bang. Here's another one on the ground and close-ups and all that kind of stuff. But it is yep. it is a phenomenal model. And that's the thing. But even um, who's got that? Uh, it's not an air tour. What's the other model? The orange one. Is it not a windshield? What's the model? Oh, oh no. What? Uh, yeah, what's not? What is it? What's that? A... Just oh remember. God! It's don't, something like a windy. Don't record this, bit oh, because I, I, yeah, <laughs> it's like an air tour or something like that. No, oh, no, it's it's an Australian plane. Correct. Oh, we're hopeless. Well, it's it's phenomenal. <laughs> it is it is an amazing. Absolutely. It's one of those models that you can sit there for ten minutes and keep on looking. And you'll see something new. Yep. And that the the, the canopy and the detail inside is just um yeah. I'd be too scared to fly, I'd not I? Look, what are you going to do? Worst case scenario, it's not going to come back. Meh. You're build another one. Um, I don't think Dave's going to spare 500 hours to build another another model like that. No. But uh, but anyway. Do you know what's interesting, though? I, I've got another. I've got a lot of theories. I'll probably <laughs> think too much about it. I've got a lot of theories. What are my theories? And, and I, again, I've mentioned this in the podcast before, that why is it we only see really bad planes crashing? You really see a really good plane crash. Really. They do. No. You even you even see me try and land. Look, my depth of perception is terrible. Oh. I hear Don't you f- I can't Ugh. it's it's that angle when it's coming from left to right and you don't know whether you've over the fence or not. Mm-hmm. I've got well I hit a wire fence at Parks, not Pen Dark, the Parks Club, coming into yep. land. I didn't see the fence. I thought I was over it. At um, Melton, yeah. I hit a tree coming in. But the, my words were, mate was with me. I said, am I over those trees? Gadunk, wingtip, hit the top <laughs> of the tree. And I keep on saying, everyone says, I hit a tree. I hit the tree. I keep on saying, no, the tree jumped down and got me. But yeah. um, but it's all that depth perception. We, uh, fortunately, I don't, have, I don't have too much of that problem at, at Pakenham. It's when there's some obstacle on approach and I'm trying to judge whether I'm over it or not. I don't know whether mm-hmm. it's because I've got glasses or what it is, but, and, yeah, I I don't fly. I don't, I, I see how some people fly really high and that kind of thing. I can't, yeah. I can't do it. I can't, I, I don't like flying really high. Oh, that was, it just reminds me of memories. There was one small bushy tree at the end of the runway at Doncaster. So if you were if you were coming landing from the left to the right, it was tricky enough as it was because you had Kerry Grammar on one side, you had the Bulleen Soccer Club and Football Club to the end. So we only had a very short approach and you'd be coming in for a landing, you'd flare and flare and then you'd just flare too much to take off again. And without any... Doubt there, I would end up in that one little bush at the end. <laughs> just it's like a, magnet. a little bit too. Yep, shoop, boom. No damage to the plane. It was just, just like a big cushion landing. But yeah, every time, every time. I've flown at Doncaster a few times, and it. Oh, there's a friend of mine that 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 regularly flies at at Doncaster. Like you know, he's a member there, and he, every week he's flying there. And when he goes to another club, and flies. 
he flies like he's a Doncaster, and I keep on saying to him, "You're not in a shoebox now. You're making me <laughs> nervous. Stretch it out. Yeah. Use the airspace. Why come to this field and just fly in a little, t- you know, hundred meter box? You know, it's yeah. it's it's annoying. <laughs> you know, stretch out. And, he's like, and I think yeah. he can't break that mold because that's all he's really done is mainly fly Doncaster. And it's just, a, <laughs> and it's always talk about you know Doncaster's under threat. They're going to build a new freeway, and you won't be allowed. You know, the club won't be allowed to operate. But so far. It's been okay. They haven't had any issues, but uh, mm. I don't know. But gee, I, I am a mate. I know so many people have been through Doncaster. You know, yep. But yeah, Cliff's um, Cliff's the man there, though. That uh, he fostered a lot of a lot of the juniors. Really, he you know. Without, oh my gosh! Yes. Yep. Yeah. You know, people often uh, there are always these discussions about you know what can we do to grow the hobby and get kids into it. You can't speak to Cliff, but yep. Cliff made an effort. You know, he made an effort. Um, and someone had to make that effort to, to foster them. So mm. I don't know. Now, moving forward, when you set your sights, you know, past today, mm-hmm. what do you hope to to, 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 to achieve with your, your model flying? Is it more scale or just plain enjoyment? Um, probably a, a bit more scale. Um, I'd like to be able to build not necessarily a warbird, but something around that area. I actually really enjoyed Del- flying Dave's um, uh, jet, scale jet he's got, uh, the vampire. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, I heard you had to fly that. Yeah. Really, it's it's not like these sport, um, sport jets that you need to be three kilometres in front of to work out where they're going to go. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a really nice flying Jet, but with some scale about it. So, and I know Dave's building another F4 um, C vampire, but and who knows? Just, just enjoy it. I've, I've, I've got a big low wing, four and a half meter aeroplane there as well that I fly. Um, I do have an aerobatic model now that I've been dabbling back in with as well. Maybe I might. Do a sportsman event. We'll see what happens. There's no shortage of aeroplanes in the hangar if Dave lets you fly some of his. <laughs> yeah, well. Mm. If he's building a new <laughs> vampire, then the old one can be yours. Well, the old vampire was sold, but this is one, the the, the one he took to the world champs was sold. Um, and then he picked up another one from a guy in Mildura, and that's the one, the bumblebee we call it. Um, yeah, and that's yeah, it's a it's a ripper plane to fly. Yeah, I'm enjoying like well, I've I've just started flying a jet, and I'm really looking forward to that challenge of, of mastering just a different different plane and different style of flying. It's a bit like going from say aerobatics to gliding, that they're, they're different disciplines. But I, I, you know, do you like that that challenge of trying something different in the hobby? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it keeps you young, um, keeps your mind active. Um, like the, the, those jets, some of those jets I've seen are just so fast, and I'm like, there's no way I could keep keep up with that. Um, and I, oh, you think, oh yeah, I'd like to, but nah, nah, I'll um, just. I, I I appreciate them, but I'm not a speed demon. I, I nah. I'm happy to fly my jet at half throttle and do aerobatic maneuvers rather than all out. You know, like I might do a high yeah. speed pass, but. I'm not going to do a whole flight with the throttle pin yeah. and going for that all-out speed kind of thing because um, yep. to me, flying like that, you get tired of it. As a spectator, 
you get tired of it really. It's a bit like imagine if you went to a music concert and the band played the same song, same tempo song flat out <laughs> for an yeah. hour. You'd be going, okay, let's break it up a bit. You know? Yeah. And I, uh, to me that's what I, I see flying, you know, like a performance in a kind of way. That's the way I see it. And and I don't want to bore people to tears by me going rear, 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 up and down, up and down. <laughs> so yeah. a bit of finesse always helps. Now, there is a question that I always end up with. It's, it's my signature move. And right. people have been getting a bit slack with this. Right. <laughs> and the, the reason why I say that is the question is what has been your favourite model? It's not models. It's model. Last week, Brendan <sighs> Joel, he rattled off like five or six different models. Right, but I want that number one model that you have flown owned over the years. What has been your favourite? <laughs> Ida Buttrose cow butt. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite so far. Um, look, I, I have to say I, I have to go back to recently and the decathlon. Look, it's. We got a really big one just so I can get my fingers back on the sticks. And I just went, yeah, this is a really good, I can use what I've learned from aerobatics into um, a different a different aspect of the sport. So, and, and having been able to um, rebuild and recover and redesign, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great starting point and it's a great model to fly. Yeah, I agree with you. As I'm a decathlon yeah. fan. I've never seen a bad decathlon, especially the bigger ones. I think if you get really, really small ones, they can be a bit twitchy. But um, yeah, the big ones, the pilot RC ones, and those kind of things are just um, phenomenal flying models. Yeah, I reckon yeah. a great platform for for scale flying as well. Not too um, daunting yeah. plane to fly. Yeah, and like it's, it's and then when you're doing your your manoeuvres and stuff, you you you've got your four compulsories. Obviously, you take off and landing. You got your three sixty descending circle and your figure eight, and but then you can pick another six. What you want to do, and as long as it's within the realms of what the full skies does, go for it. Have a ball. Yeah, it's true. Doesn't inverted flight pretty good and half keep them pretty well as well. <laughs> Listen to you. You sound like what? that's it. You've fallen into this now. Oh, shush! Don't tell Dave that. <laughs> he's going to listen to this. He's going. To, no, he's not going to listen to it because he doesn't want more people to listen to this podcast. Versus his, he'd be like, still on top. Yeah, not for long, buddy. Not for long. Yeah, well, that's the attitude I like to see. Well, Melissa, it's been great to have you on the Flat Out RC podcast. I'm so glad we had this chat and I got to know more about your flying and and your plans, uh, your future plans, and your scale comps and everything. And and um, every time I hear about. World champ stories. I think, ah, oh, what an experience! I, I, I yeah. imagined myself being there. When you, I think the highlight for me of this podcast when you said standing behind that flag, that really hammered it home. That sealed the deal for me. Like, can you imagine being in a foreign country with some fellow countrymen representing your country in anything? You know, to, mm. to uh, it's like I see like sporting events, like the the, the, the football grand final, and on that day. I just always think nowadays so much effort went into it that we are not aware of for these guys just to make it to this day. Like mm. it is such a hard thing to do. And it's the same with competing overseas in aero modelling that it just doesn't happen overnight. There's a lot of time and commitment 
to have that opportunity to stand behind your flag. And, you know, you and the team did an awesome job at the last one. And hopefully in the next one, you'll be there competing yourself, which would be... We'll see if the border's open. <laughs> they will eventually. But, yeah, look, look, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm a team manager again, I think, but um, um, definitely for the F4C team, but we'll see what happens. No doubt the MCCC. Can- no doubt the MCCC is paying you for that role as well. No. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm just, oh, look, I'm playing devil's advocate. Remember, I'm in that kind of mood. I'm <sighs> taking over everything. Oh, my gosh. Maybe you can become the next MAAA president while you're there. <laughs> yes, but I'll take over the MAAA and I'll sell it probably. Uh, That'll be the next okay. conspiracy theory that someone will make up. Anyway. Fabulous. Well, Melissa, I hope to see you down at the field at some point in time in the future. No doubt I will. Yep. And all the best to you and, you and finish that decathlon and I want to be there to see it fly and uh, keep up the great work. Yep, you too. Thanks for the uh, the last hour. It's been great. About to leave, already packing. Come with me, I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted. Big, th- big thank you to Melissa for uh, joining me. I-, I say this all the time, and, and uh, uh, people send me messages saying, you know, really enjoying the podcast, and I'm really grateful for that. And but I'll tell you what, I, sitting down of an evening, having a chat with someone about aero modeling, there's no hard work involved in that. And Melissa was great to have a chat with, and uh, I know more about her, you know more about her. Uh, so if you see her around the traps, say good day to her because she's a, a really, really nice lady. So, uh, and doing some good things. I'm, like, I'm looking forward to seeing that decathlon. I'm a big fan of decathlons. One day I might have one. Don't need one at the moment. I've got enough in the hangar, but uh, one day I might have a decathlon. So a big thank you again to, to Melissa. Now, if you like this podcast and you're on Apple Podcasts or something like that, give it a rating. Press that like button. Give us a five-star rating. It really helps things out. It'll, uh, Apple will promote us, especially if you're on Apple. It'll promote us a bit better. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, to, the, to the, our YouTube channel, the Flat Out RC YouTube channel, Instagram, and Facebook as well. Just search for Flat Out RC. You'll find us there. Not sure who's going to be on next week's show, but there will be a show. There will always be a show uh, as long as I've got the energy to do it. And i still got plenty of energy. I'm not going anywhere. So... We'll be back next week. Talk to you then.